It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week's featured podcast is my friend C.J. John from Beyond the Rainbow Podcast. Hey there, Rainbow Warriors. I'm C.J., host of Beyond the Rainbow, true crimes of the LGBT. My episodes focus on crimes committed by and against the LGBTQ community. I've covered cases you probably have heard of, such as Matthew Shepard, Brandon Tina, and the Orlando Pulse nightclub massacre as well as some lesser-known cases like the murder of Ray Hainish, the Australian gay beat murders, and the suspicious disappearance of Lisa Lynn Stone. I cover cases brought to me by listeners like Penny Brummer, who I believe was wrongfully convicted, taboo cases such as lesbian corrective rape and murder in South Africa, and Pray the Gay Away camps. I discuss gay serial killers, women who pretend to be men to hook up with other women, and trans murders. I'm opinionated and uncensored. I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but surely I'm someone shot at tequila. No matter what your gender or orientation in life might be, please join me as I tackle rainbow crimes in search of unicorn justice. Remember, it's not a crime to be gay, unless you're a murderer. Welcome, friends, to another exciting edition of Lucky Charms Unplugged. I'm your host, Jackie Jean. Before we get started, I have to send a huge shout-out to my friend and mentor, Eric Carter-Londine, for the five-star review on iTunes. Thank you, Eric, for all you do for me. Eric has two phenomenal podcasts that I tout constantly, True Consequences and Dos Buqueños. I'll be a guest ghost on Dos Buqueños this month. I'm so excited. We had a great time recording that episode. I'll post the link as soon as the episode is up. Today's episode is brought to you by dogs. I have a theory that all dogs are good. Those who have been around me for a while know that dogs absolutely love me. Even the security dogs in the airport will give me a little sniff as I walk by. 
And it's not because I'm transporting contraband either. Dogs just love me. This episode is dedicated to my dogs. My most recent dog was Kelly. She was a 15-year-old Border Collie. Kelly went to go live with her predecessors on September 2nd. She's off to join Dillinger, Nookie, Lady Days, Victrola, and so many other great dogs that I've had. I'm pretty sure that when I pass into the next life, I'm going to be bombarded by a million dogs. And a lot of them will be dogs that I've had the pleasure to know and love. A few of the stories I tell today come from a book called The Little Book of Lore for Dog Lovers by Mary Frances Budzik. It's a neat little book full of dog facts, dog stories, and dog lore. But I'm going to start with a couple of my own dog stories, one from Dillinger and one from Kelly. Dillinger was just a lousy dog, possibly the worst dog I had ever owned. She was always into something, causing trouble or making a mess. She was always barking at everyone, and she left dog art all over my windows. But for all of that, she was fiercely loyal. She was the great protector, guarding against any harm that may come to her people. Even if it was that man-eating squirrel that hung out on the balcony. She was friendly and silly and was always there to pick you up if you were down. She was terribly needy, always wanting pets or tummy rubs, and would always sleep as close to me as she could get without actually being on the bed. She was Kelly's ears when Kelly went deaf, and she kept Kelly playing. They were constant companions. So even if Dillinger was the worst dog I'd ever owned, she was still a really good dog. Kelly was the opposite of Dillinger. Kelly was super smart and knew exactly what the score was. She didn't get in the trash or tear up her toys. She walked on the leash perfectly most of the time. And she didn't know a stranger. She was the ambassador. Kelly didn't bark a lot, but if she did have something to say, it was to people that she met while we were out walking. She would bark at everyone to get their attention so they could pet her. One day, I was walking Kel around the apartment complex, and a little girl of about six or seven came out of nowhere. She ran straight for my dog, and before I could stop her, she had her arms around Kelly's neck and was hugging her. Kelly ate this up. She was so happy that a small child had not only noticed her, but had chased her down that her whole body wagged. Everyone in the complex knew Kelly, and most people would just stop and pet her when she was out. She would sort of force them to stop and pet her. She just loved everyone. I really wish that more people could be like Kelly. Okay, so let's talk about a little doggo history. Dr. Peter Slovenian, a canine researcher, took DNA from 654 dogs around the world. The DNA of these dogs was traced back to three wolves in Asia. 
After also taking DNA from fossils in South America, he found that they all traced back to Asia. He surmised that people brought dogs with them when they made their treks across the landmass to populate North America. It's thought that dogs have been domesticated over 100,000 years ago. It makes you wonder when the couch was invented, doesn't it? It's thought that dogs domesticated themselves. At first, they hung out on the edges of settled encampments. Then, eventually, they made their way into a symbiotic relationship with humans. Dogs became alarm systems, hunting companions, guards, and herders, while people would give the dogs food and protection. Eventually, wolves evolved into dogs. Canis lupus became Canis familiaris. These dogs had smaller brain pans, smaller sensory areas, and a smaller jaw crowded with smaller teeth. And this led to dogs being more dependent on humans. Here's some lucky dog lore. It's believed that dogs can see ghosts. So if a dog howls or whimpers for no apparent reason, there are spirits around. If a stray dog follows you home, it's a sign of impending wealth. To meet a spotted dog on your way to a business meeting in England is a sign that the meeting will be successful. If a newborn baby is licked by a dog, that baby will heal quickly from wounds or disease throughout his or her life. A dog eating grass is a sign of rain. If a strange dog shows up on your doorstep, you'll make new friends. Three white dogs hanging out together is a sign of good luck. One of my favorite stories comes from a vet in Washington State. It's called A Dog's Purpose. Being a veterinarian, I had been called to examine a 10-year-old Irish wolfhound named Belker. The dog's owners, Ron and his wife, Lisa, their little boy, Shane, were all very attached to Belker, and they were hoping for a miracle. I examined Belker and found that he was dying of cancer. I told the family we couldn't do anything for Belker and offered to perform the euthanasia procedure for the old dog in their home. As we made arrangements, Ron and Lisa told me they thought it would be good for six-year-old Shane to observe the procedure. They felt as though Shane might learn something from the experience. The next day, I felt the familiar catch in my throat as Belker's family surrounded him. Shane seemed so calm, petting the old dog for the last time. I wondered if he understood what was going on. Within a few minutes, Belker had slipped peacefully away. The little boy seemed to accept Belker's transition without any difficulty or confusion. We sat together after Belker's death, wondering aloud about the sad fact that animal lives are shorter than human lives. Shane, who had been listening quietly, piped up, I know why. Startled, we all turned to him. What came out of his mouth next stunned me. I'd never heard a more comforting explanation. He said, 
People are born so that they can learn how to live a good life, like loving everybody all the time and being nice, right? The six-year-old continued. Well, dogs already know how to do that, so they don't have to stay as long. There is an old Iroquois tale that speaks of the relationship between Indians and their dogs. The story goes that an Iroquois was hunting in the forest with his dogs. At this time, people were able to talk with dogs like we do with one another. When the man came to the edge of the forest, the dogs began to tell him of things in the forest that he did not know. They taught him the tricks of the chase, how to scent and track game, and where to look for trails. The man listened, and he did what he was told, and soon the sled that had been drugged into the woods by the dogs was piled high with deer and other game. Never had the man's arrows brought him so much game. Never had he had so much success in hunting. He was so pleased that he said to his dogs, Always shall I talk with you, give ear to what you say, and be one of you. Ah, but listen, said the dogs, if you wish to be one of us, you must live under the law of dogs, not men. Animals have laws different from those of men. When two dogs meet for the first time, they try their strength to see which is the better dog. Men do not fight when strangers meet. They shake hands. As we fight strange dogs, so you too must fight strange men to see which is the best man, if you are to live under the law of dogs. The man said he would think it over and at sunrise give his answer. Indians always sleep before deciding a question. The next morning, the man said that he would live under the law of animals and fight strange men. The following day, the man made ready to leave the woods. From the basswood, he made a strong harness for the dogs so that they could drag the load of game back to camp for him. When the sun was high, the man and the dogs started with the sled loaded with game headed back to camp. They had not gone far when they saw two strange Indians coming towards them. Now, said the dogs to the men, Remember, you are living under the dog's law. You must fight these strange men. The man attacked first one man, then the other. At last, both turned on him, and when they left him, he was nearly dead. At this, the dogs intervened. They leaped on the strange men and drove them from the woods. Then they came back to where their friend lay on the ground and began to talk with him and lick his face. The man could not speak for some time, but when his voice came to him, he said to the dogs, No longer do I wish to live under the law of animals. No more shall I fight strangers. From this time, I shall shake hands with strangers and bid them welcome. From this time, I shall be a man and live under the law of men. Then said the dogs sadly, we shall no longer be able to talk with you and tell you the things that we know. But we will always stand by you. We will be your friends, and we will fight for you when you need us as you did today. 
This is why people and dogs can no longer speak each other's language. This is also why a dog will fight to the death for his friend. Not only is the dog a true friend to the Indian in this world, but in the next as well. It seems that the soul of an Indian on its journey to the happy hunting ground must cross a deep, swift-running stream. On either side of this dark river, there stand two dogs who hold in their teeth a great log upon which the souls pass. The soul of the Indian who had been kind to his dog crosses the log easily, for the dogs stand guard. As the soul of such a person reaches the river, the dogs say, This person was kind to their dog. They gave him of their own food, and the dog always had a warm place by their fire. We will help this person to cross. Then the dogs grip the log firmly in their teeth and hold it steady while the soul of the kind person passes over. But if the soul of a person has been unkind to his dog comes to the river, the dogs say, This person was cruel to their dog. They gave their dog no place by the fire. They beat their dog. They let their dog go hungry. So this person shall not cross. Then the dogs grip the log lightly in their teeth. And when the soul of the unkind person is halfway across, the dogs turn the log quickly to one side, and the soul is thrown into the deep, dark river. The Chippewa have a tale of how dogs came to Indians. Two Ojibwa Indians in a canoe had been blown far from the shore by a great wind. They had gone far and were hungry and lost. They had little strength left to paddle, so they drifted before the wind. At last, their canoe was blown onto a beach, and they were glad, but not for long. Looking for the tracks of animals, they saw some huge footprints that they knew must be those of a giant. They were afraid and hid in the bushes. As they crouched low, a big arrow thudded into the ground close beside them. Then a huge giant came toward them. A caribou hung from his belt, but the man was so big that it looked like a rabbit. He told them that he did not hurt people, and he liked to be a friend to the little people who seemed to the giant to be so helpless. He asked the two lost Indians to come home with him. And since they had no food and their weapons had been lost in the storm at sea, they were glad to go with him. An evil windigo spirit came to the lodge of the giant and told the two men that the giant had other men hidden away in the forest because he liked to eat them. The windigo pretended to be a friend, but he was the one who wanted the men because he was the eater of people. The Wendigo became very angry when the giant would not give him the two men. And finally, the giant became angry too. He took a big stick and turned over a big bull with it. A strange animal, which the Indians had never seen before, lay on the floor looking up at them. It looked like a wolf to them, but the giant called the animal dog. The giant told him to kill the evil Wendigo spirit. The beast sprang to its feet, shook himself, and started to grow and grow and grow. The more he shook himself, the more he grew, and the fiercer he became. 
He sprang at the windigo and killed him. Then the dog grew smaller and smaller and crept back under the bowl. The giant saw that the Indians were much surprised and pleased with dog and said that he would give it to them, though it was his pet. He told the men that he would command dog to take them home. They had no idea how this could be done, though they had seen that the giant was a maker of magic. But they thanked the friendly giant for his great gift. The giant took the men and the dog to the seashore and gave the dog a command. At once, it began to grow bigger and bigger until it was nearly as big as a horse. The giant put the two men onto the back of the dog and told them to hold on very tightly. As dog ran into the sea, he grew still bigger, and when the water was deep enough, he started to swim strongly away from the shore. After a very long time, the two Ojibwa began to see part of the seacoast that they knew. And soon the dog headed for shore. As he neared the beach, he became smaller and smaller so that the Indians had to swim for the last part of their journey. The dog left them close to their lodges and disappeared into the forest. When the men told their tribe of their adventure, the people thought that the men were speaking falsely. Show us the little mystery animal dog and we shall believe you, a chief said. A few moons came and went, and then one morning while the tribe slept, the dog returned to the two men. It allowed them to pet it and took food from their hands. The tribe was very much surprised to see this new creature, and it stayed with the tribe. That is, as the Indians tell, how the first dog came to the earth. A Lenny Lenape legend tells why dogs sniff each other's butts. The Lenny Lenape tribe lives around Delaware. When the humans slept, dogs would get together at night and have parties. Before these gatherings, the dog would take their tails off and leave them in piles close by. The dogs would dance and sing and have a great time until morning when they would put their tails back on and go home. One night, Wolf found the dogs playing and dancing. All of the dogs had to run back to their homes for safety, but in the confusion, many of them grabbed the wrong tails. They never went out again at night because they were afraid of Wolf, so they were stuck with strange, mismatched tails for the rest of their lives. So even now, dogs will sniff each other's butts to see if the other dog has their tail. The stories of dogs as heroes to their owners are never-ending. Omar Eduardo Rivera is a blind computer technician who uses a guide dog. On September 11, 2001, Rivera was working on the 71st floor of the World Trade Center when a plane hit the building above him. His dog, Dorado, was under Rivera's desk as usual. As the building evacuation began, Rivera smelled the smoke and heard the chaos in the stairwell. He took the Labrador Retriever's leash off so the dog could escape. Dorado ignored Rivera's order to go ahead and escorted his master down 70 flights of stairs. 
They were separated by the rush of the crowd for a few minutes, but Dorado found his way back to Rivera and continued down the stairs. They reached the ground about an hour after they began the descent, only a few minutes before the building collapsed. Stories like Omar and Dorado are everywhere. Dogs have saved owners from fires, floods, and all sorts of other disasters. Back in the 80s, I had a German Shepherd mix named Lady Days. I went off to go rodeo or something for a few days, and my mom was watching my dog until I came back. LD was an amazing animal. She was fiercely protective, but understood that people could also be friends. She knew her boundaries, but would jump in if someone was in trouble. My mom made coffee for herself one morning and forgot to turn off the coffee maker. Then she went back to bed for a bit. Back in the 80s, you had to shut the coffee maker off. If you left the coffee maker on, it would burn the coffee and keep burning. It would eventually catch fire. And that's exactly what happened. The coffee maker caught fire, and my mom didn't know it until LD came in barking and throwing a fit. LD took my mom into the kitchen and showed her the burning coffee maker. I'm not entirely sure how my mother got the coffee maker unplugged and out into the yard, but somehow that's where the coffee maker ended up. Fire and all. If I remember right, my mother turned on the spigot and doused the thing with water to get the fire out. It's sort of important to note that my mom really didn't like pets. I always had pets, but my mom wasn't really an animal person. When I called home that night to check in, though, my mother told me that LD had saved her bacon and was currently laying on the couch with her watching TV. She had also made a special dinner for LD out of hamburger and potatoes. I find it odd that most legends depict dogs as creatures of the underworld. They're to be feared in the legends. Dogs have been man's best friend since time began. Television and movies have depicted dogs as our loyal companions, our guards, and our best buds. These animals spend half of their lives waiting for us to come home from work. Then, when we get home from work, we take them for a quick walk, throw some food in a bowl, and get on to the rest of our lives. I know my life pretty much centers around my dogs when I get home from work. We watch movies together. We play ball and rope. Kelly would sit at my feet and listen to me play guitar, sometimes badly, but she enjoyed it. Usually I would play to her so she didn't feel like I was just playing. She would crowd into the closet that is my podcast studio while I was recording, and you can sometimes hear her in the background of my old episodes. I believe that all dogs are good. Some are better than others, but I think they all try to be good. All they want to do is please their people. They want to make us happy. I also believe that dogs have a special place in the next life. I think they'll be there when we get there. I mean, really, what would heaven be without dogs? Thank you for listening to Lucky Charms Unplugged. As always, it's been a pleasure talking with you. 
I'll see you in two weeks when I'll have more stories for you. I never know what I'm going to talk about until something strikes me, so I can't give you a hint because I don't have a clue. As always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and tell a friend about it, too. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Lucky Charms Unplugged, and you can also join the Facebook group where I post a lot of fun stuff. I love hearing from people, so don't hesitate to join in. I have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash Lucky Charms Unplugged. And you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash cause of death, Lucky Charms Unplug. I didn't realize it when I made the account that letters were limited, so I didn't have room for the ED on the end of Unplugged. <laughs> there is one design up for merch at tpublic.com slash cause of death, Lucky Charms Unplugged. And yes, I'm still working on the Russian cats. Several people are working on the Russian cats. The first one with a t-shirt design wins. Thank you all again for listening. And until next time, let's get lucky.